Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and welcome to Games on Film. say games on film differently every single time i'm gonna try to (laughs) i'm not gonna go back to past episodes and see oh how did i say it this time but you know try and put a different spin on it yeah why not yeah it's a different intro every single time (laughs) it's amazing spared no expense but uh hello yes rory has come to visit me today he's left his penthouse and joined me down in uh, the dump with all my bricks and my stump Thank you for coming, Rory. Are you the Wreck-It Ralph of the podcast and I'm the Fitzit Felix Jr.? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then um, you've got, what's the name of the lady, the girl? Is it Vanellope? Vanellope von Schweetz. Yeah, she's not here today. She's, she's not here. She's um, uh, dearly missed. But yes, we decided to return to doing the um, a film inspired by video games and not necessarily adapted, although there's quite a lot of video game characters in this, much like what's that film ready player one in fact uh, or record player one record player one or what was the other one who framed roger rabbit i think yes that's the vibe i got when this film was announced it was like oh my god how are all these ips intellectual properties to the lay person all these ips sharing the screen at the same time you've got bowser on one side of the screen dr robotnik slash eggman on the other um, it's just like Mickey Mouse and Boats Bunny. I know, um, but not. <laughs> <laughs> because, so the sequel is coming out mm. uh, later this year, 2018 that is, uh, and this original film came out in 2012. My my wife said she definitely saw this film with me, and I okay. definitely can't remember that. <laughs> right. She seemed quite hurt by that. I remember the other films, but not this. Well, in terms of actually seeing the film and, and talking about release dates, mm. so... I went to see a preview of it at the BFI South Bank, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it actually came out in the UK, I think, maybe February or March 2013, so there was a few months uh, gap uh, between its US debut. Much like now where we're waiting for The Incredibles to come out, we're in that non-space. Ant-Man and the Wasp was postponed because of the footy. All these spoilers because of the bloody football. But hey, we usually get most Marvel films... A week or two before America, yeah, so... I do my level best to spoil it for the entire <laughs> USA. Um, you see the meme before you see the movie, <laughs> I think, is is what happens nowadays. Uh, so I attended this uh, preview, and it, it had the director, Rich Moore, and uh, the star, Sarah Silverman, in attendance. And they gave a little Q&A after the film, and something... Uh, do you like film Q&As? Whenever I see a listing for, ooh, and it includes director q and I always jump at the chance to get a ticket and then realise just as the film is ending and they wheel out the guest that, oh, actually, I hate Q&As. Uh, I, um, I think you told me about the one from Record Ralph. 
Okay. And then we went to see another one with Evil Dead, where somebody takes it upon themselves to really needle the uh, creatives who put their heart and soul into a film. Yeah, that that's not really the sort of time and place to really argue mm. uh, with um, the to show the him. talent. Yeah, that will show him. Yeah, the 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 other annoying questions is is when it's just. Is, this is not really a question, but <laughs> I just want to comment on this particular scene and talk about your influences and how I spotted all this stuff, and mm. I'm really clever, so that's it. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Um, but, um, but anyway, in the case of the Wreck-It Ralph uh, one, the first question came out from a nerd, and he basically was saying, um, uh, so why did it take so long for Disney to release this film in the UK? It came out in America in November, so why didn't I get to see it earlier? Why did you withhold the release? And this was that special preview. This was that special preview. I mean, it was, it was you know, February, March or oh, whatever. Imminent so it was release. Imminent release. But anyway, they were complaining that they had to wait so long. And uh, Sarah Silverman basically said, well, we asked Disney if we could release it on your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but they said, okay. Can't do it. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> so I really kind of, um, I don't know, cheekily laid into this, into this guy uh, mm. complaining. But then there were also some nice questions because it was like a family preview thing. So there were some cute questions from the kids, and Aww. you know, it was a generally pretty interesting, fun. But you just uh, said you hate Q&A, so I think you've got a bit of uh, an incorrect Well, I mean, it's, it's not so much hate, but it's just there's that weird tension in the room where it's just like, and now we open it to the audience. It's just like that mm. bit in The Simpsons. And now my favourite part of the show, talk to the audience. <laughs> oh, this is always death. Yeah. I cannot remember seeing this film. I, I, My recollection is seeing it on DVD way after it came out. And... I mean, I don't want to spoil too much about my my feelings of this. Uh, I don't know if I don't know how much my feelings have changed in the rewatch of this, but I never really viewed it as a beloved entry in the recent Disney films. Hmm. I mean, of late, obviously, there's. I mean, I think the distinction needs to be made. This is not a Pixar film. This is a Disney. Walt uh, Disney Animation Studios, exactly, as um, with the pixelated Steamboat Willie. I did love that. That's that great. The sign. I mean, a side note: um, Disney have been releasing some amazing Mickey Mouse cartoons recently. So okay. If you just Google, if you so go to the Mickey Mouse YouTube channel, watch the new five seven minute Mickey Mouse stuff. It's kind of Looney Tunes. It's kind of really subversive, and mm. Mickey Mouse is no longer squeaky clean. He's kind of like a. a a jerk in many ways so definitely watch that but anyway Wreck-It Ralph is not as beloved as Frozen it's I mean Moana makes me cry Zootopia is about is absolutely about politics and and racism Mm. and xenophobia and Wreck-It Ralph I wouldn't say I'm surprised it's getting a sequel but at the same time I don't know how many people are waiting for a sequel waiting to re-engage with these characters again i kind of dragged my heels to rewatch it and i literally have got the movie playing in the background right now again because it seems to disappear from my memory kind of right after i watch it i mean what was your i mean how had you seen wreck it ralph since the preview screening i'm pretty sure i re-watched it on dvd um, mm. But I hadn't watched it since, so I picked up a, a copy of the Blu-ray for the purposes. 
mm. of this podcast. But what you say with regards Frozen and Zootopia is that Wreck-It Ralph actually shares quite a few of the creative team in terms of writers and directors mm. and, and staff involved. So clearly um, Walt Disney Animation Studios has a set bunch of creatives mm. probably mirroring what was the start of Pixar, at least in the early days and using those teams for for writing and i think even there was an original song going to be in the film written by the people who did the music for frozen which was which was cut out of the of the final work mm. so there's a lot of shared talent going on and i was watching some of the extras and basically uh, the director, Rich Moore, was brought in and John Lasseter basically told him, I want you to make a movie about video games. And mm. they basically just landed on Toy Story plus Reboot. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of the feeling I got. I'm sure there are fans of video games who made this film, but it did feel a lot like... It, it didn't feel quite real. I, I, will, I guess I will spoil my feelings about this. Even on the second viewing, I don't know if this film really clicks with me. Mm -hmm. I feel like I love it up to a point, And my notes sort of peter out about halfway through the film. And I guess we'll talk about... We're not going to try and do the plot beat for beat, but it's definitely, I think, a film of three parts... But I, yes, I, I get the sense that there's sort of Easter eggs stapled into the background. There's as many video game characters as I guess the lawyers could get for this film but mm. it didn't seem to be made by someone who totally loves video games I think the uh, out of the recent animated Disney movies this is definitely the one that because of its heavy list of references and because of its engagement with popular culture it skews closer to your dreamworksy illumination sort of area less so than usually disney tries to avoid too many overt references there's a little bit of that in zootopia and there's kind of more meta references mm. more about disney and 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 that kind of thing similar even with something like frozen in a way is a slight or moana is a slight skewering of some disney tropes mm. but this is definitely one which you know is forced to engage with popular culture on a very superficial mm. level as well as a deeper one. And it's just whether this goes far enough to engage on a deeper level. I mean, Toy Story has a lot of IPs, has a lot of, yes. you know, familiar stuff, but also it creates its own original characters sure. uh, in that sense. But it's particularly something like Toy Story 2 where you introduce Barbie and Toy Story 3 where you introduce Ken, sort of big toy names and brands mm. but i think it's what's interesting is why some films feel like they're engaging and celebrating those sort of references and which ones just feel cheap mm. and just throw away and just oh and we'll include this reference just for the sake of it because of ding we've got that in well just talking about surface level we've seen so many films about you know, like Coco, um, which is like the hidden world film where you, you just see the hidden world of the land of the dead or the hidden world of video games or the hidden world of toys, uh, you know, even down to like flipping Sherlock Gnomes or the hidden world of garden gnomes. Garden gnomes. What just kids like, always love. So, I mean, all these films though, they are about something and I'm trying to work out what the message of this film is. I feel like before we go too deep into 
the message and meanings of this film. We should give a bit of a plot because it's not based on a on a video game or a plot. So so I think we'll just do a very quick nutshell synopsis. Yeah, fun well, to say. Well, I think. Um, what was fun about the marketing of this movie is that it did try and it created these vintage commercials which were made to sort of illustrate the games, the original games as featured in the film mm. uh, and when the film came out uh, if you were lucky enough they had actual Fitzit Felix Jr mm. arcade machines at cinemas so I got a chance to um, oh, cool. play the original Fitzit Felix, game, Fitzit Felix Jr game and, and I think that you were able to download that game as an app. Okay. Was the game f- actually fun? Was I, it? Because just to interrupt, it, the game in the film is absolutely Donkey Kong. Yes. And actually Donkey Kong it's really tough to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you can definitely appreciate it. And gosh, at the time when it when I was a kid, I had it on the NES, and you know, I'd play it. I was more of a fan of Donkey Kong Junior. But was Fix It Felix fun to play? It was. I really enjoyed playing it, and I I think if it had been a genuine game released at the time, it would have been maybe considered a bit of a, a minor classic. I mean, mm. obviously, it's heavily indebted to. Donkey Kong and Mario and and such, but so many of the games of those times were just you know spin-offs or rip-offs of mm. of other similar uh, arcade games. So it is a fun game if mm. you can sort of still play it online. It's definitely worth I'll check it out. Worth taking for a taking for a spin. But it's interesting that yes, the the sort of characters, the two principal characters in the film, you have I guess Wreck It Ralph is the villain of this game. Fits it, Felix Junior. And Fitz Felix, he's kind of the Mario-style character, and mm. later on in the film, Felix mentions Mario by name. Yeah. And so the idea is that Mario and Donkey Kong still exist yeah. in this game land, but these are sort of just, you know, close approximations of those characters. In the actual development of the of the film, originally Felix was going to be the main character, and Ralph was more of a kind of general antagonist, but, you know, by making Ralph the... Hmm. The bad guy. It sort of really, uh, you know, carries the plot in a more interesting direction. Oh. But maybe should I just read from the back of the box? Would that be the? <laughs> I mean, I did that with House of the Dead. You know what? That might be how we start covering the plots if, of these if, films. I mean, sometimes it's easier because then you can pick away at it. But it's, <laughs> it's it's not too long. Okay. So I'll just yeah. So uh, anyway, there's going to be spoilers in this podcast too. Mm. But I don't think the back of the box will reveal too much. The characters all survive for the sequel. Do all of them? Oh, I suppose. We'll see. Anyway, what does the pox say beneath Jonathan Wass's endorsement? Well, Disney's 51st animated classic is, is what it describes itself as being. Prepare for adventure with one of the very best from Disney Animation Studios, Jonathan Ross. Okay. A hilarious arcade game hopping journey in Disney's Wreck-It Ralph. For decades, Ralph has played the bad guy in his popular video game. In a bold move, he embarks on an action-packed adventure and sets out to prove to everyone that he is a true hero with a big heart. As he explores exciting new worlds, he teams up with some unlikely new friends, including feisty misfit Vanellope von Schweetz. Then, when an evil enemy threatens their world, Ralph realises he holds the fate of the entire arcade in his massive hands. (laughs) Featuring an all-star voice cast... And breakthrough bonus features that take you even deeper into the world of video games. Okay, this is back to the bots time. Okay. Disney's Wreck-It Ralph is something for every player. So anyway, I hope you've seen this film because we're going to talk in depth about various bits. I think the problem with Wreck-It Ralph, I didn't dislike it, but the reason why it doesn't really click with me is the film seems to be about 
knowing your place. I mean, Ralph is purported to be a bad guy. The, the tension is supposed to be... I mean, he starts it in a bad guy anonymous type thing. But he not he's not bad. He's never bad. He gets pissed off when he feels hard done by. But it's, so it's a bit of a uh, red and angry birds, the movie oh, it might be. situation. They should and have, he wears red. It, could you imagine if... Yeah, if this was made a little bit later, red would have been in the... Well, he's not a bad guy. I mean, Zangief is there. That's another question. So we begin the film in a version of Alcoholics Anonymous because kids know that very well. Yeah. Though <laughs> uh, actually, there's probably a lot of kids with alcoholic dads. But, but you know, <laughs> I mean, it's like a therapy thing. But again, that's similar to Angry Birds. You know, there's it, it has all the stuff about therapy and, and anger management and, mm. and such. Well, he doesn't ch- change, does he, in the whole film? He's kind of the... S- what, how does he change? And how does the world change? At the start of the film, he, he's, he's a ba- he hates being a bad guy for 30 years. He's been cast as the bad guy in, Rec- in, in Felix, Fix It Felix Jr. And everyone says, don't worry, just be yourself. Be, a, be, a, be at peace with being a bad guy. It's the 30th anniversary of his video game and he is not allowed into a party being held by Felix and all the people in the penthouse. He's understandably annoyed because people are just being dicks and jerks to him. Yes, he's he's had a rough time, hmm. as has Ralph. So yes, it's the 30th anniversary of the, of the Felix Jr. game and yeah, he's understandably tired of, hmm. you know, just uh, players throwing him off the top of this building and him having to sleep in Brits all the time and you know he goes to this bad and on villains therapy mm. group and yeah no, no one seems to be like evil there either they're all just like well it's the they role we have place. to play yeah I don't want to be the bad guy anymore you can't mess with the program Ralph you're not going turbo are you turbo no, I'm not going turbo. Come on, guys. Is it turbo to want a friend? Or a medal? Or a piece of pie every once in a while? Is it turbo to want more out of life? Yes. Ralph, Ralph, we get it. But we can't change who we are. And the sooner you accept that, the better off your game and your life will be. Hey, one game at a time, Ralph. Now let's close out with the bad guy affirmation. Okay. I'm bad, and that's, that's good. good. I will never, never be good, good. And, and that's, that's not, not bad. bad. There's no one I'd rather be than me. It's just really confusing, and I'm, I'm gonna. I feel like I'm. It might be because I've had a cup of glasses of wine, or it might be because this is a bit of a wishy-washy kind of message film. But the film sort of ends with him now knowing his place and he's happy, and. No one, I mean, nobody seems to think he's a bad guy in the in in the penthouse even. Mm. The moustache guy. Yeah, Glenn, I think his name is. He basically gives him a talking down, and saying you're the bad guy. But I don't think anyone really thinks he is a bad guy. They're more angry because he doesn't want to play his part. Get with the program is repeated. Yeah, and, and yeah, because I I feel like I'm getting very zeroed in on this message. But I think I kind of want to enjoy this film. Because it's so, you know, it's got video games and stuff. I love I love Ryu and Ken being mates and stuff. I feel like I'm sidetracking the conversation. Well, no, no. I, th- I think you're you're trying to get straight at the, the straight to the heart, the heart of it. 
I, I don't know how much of a message there is in this film, mm. but I think what it's I think it's less about Ralph and I think it's more about Vanellope. And mm. I feel like my enjoyment and appreciation of the film is because of her story. I think what what gets me is that and what I I find very emotionally engaging about the film less about the message and things like that but just the whole she's a glitch mm. outcast sort of thing which maybe is done a little bit to death but it really kind of hits me hard in this film and I find it very upsetting how they treat her and how she's sort of hard done by you say that but I don't think it was really I don't know, I did write in my notes here, is being a glitch a metaphor for the other? Uh, will the film do anything with this? And it sort of doesn't really... I mean, they just repeat ad nauseum, you're not allowed in here, you're not allowed in mm. here. And we learn later on, Vanellope, she is a racer, or she, she's a character in this video game called Sugar Rush, and the Sugar Rush world is overseen by a character called the Candy King. King Candy. King Candy. Not the Candyman. <laughs> That'd be a different film. <laughs> um, Just don't say King Candy don't say King five, Candy times five times in the mirror. How, oh, shit, that's like three times you said that already. <laughs> so King Candy is revealed to be um, uh, someone who's jumped from their own game. He's a character called Turbo. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's all revealed to be a plot. The reason why they don't want Vanellope to win is because that will reset the game. And, and I guess it would be revealed that King Candy slash Turbo is not the rightful ruler of Candyland, and it's actually... Vanellope is the princess. It's actually kind of convoluted, that, I feel like. But, so, apart from saying that she can't be part of the race and excluding her from the race... Are they racist? <laughs> well, is then there's just nothing. They just, you know, do we do anything more with that? I think, but I think it's just it captures this sort of childhood bullying uh, sort of thing, which I find, and I think the performance from Sarah Silverman I've is, say, she's is got very a voice. good. She's got a voice for cartoons. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I can see exactly it either gets to you or it doesn't, and I feel like that stuff I find very kind of emotionally just engaging and i think that's because of performance maybe less than less than script and yeah so i think that's where the films succeeds i i don't know whether, whether there's a real message behind it but mm. I, I but i sort of feel like you know if the if the plot isn't doing it for you if the action isn't doing it for you if the jokes aren't doing it for you then there isn't really you know a kind of message to take away from this film it's a bit just not... a lot of shiny entertainment in a way mm. but i find what what gets what what I appreciate about the film is the is the emotional engagement, and I think that's a lot of that down to performance. I mean, I'm not saying every film has to have um, a meaning. I mean, you know, we just reviewed House of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the the meaning to take away from that is don't go to island yeah. rave sponsored by Sega. Oh, that's a strong message. Well, that's the thing. That is the thing, though. House of the Dead's got a very strong. Um, and since seen that film, I never have. Yes, we've not we've not yet been to a rave on an island um, since we recorded that episode. But what is the? I guess I come back to what is the meaning and the message of this film? I don't I don't get it. <laughs> well, let, maybe uh, let's. 
get a bit sort of deeper into the film and then maybe a message will present itself. Yeah, there's a bit more to cover. We've kind of skipped to the end a bit, but let's have a... Let's skip let's, to the beginning-ish. Yeah. So, I mean, so we got the setup, we got the got the characters, and uh, Ralph is in the Fits It Feel It's game. Uh, the game itself is in Litwat's arcade. So it's not... The idea there must be several arcade machines dotted around which have separate Ralphs, separate Felixes, all living their separate lives. Oh, this is actually really annoying me when you're talking about it because... because um, so there must be hundreds cr- of so, Ralphs. I mean, I, I, I touched on Coco a moment. So in, in Coco, you die and you go to the Mexican land of the dead. Okay. Um, and that's just where all the dead people go. Yes. Um, There's not like Mexican Deadland and... Uh, Sugar Rush version. Well, no, but there's not like Mexican Deadland, American Deadland, Canadian the, Deadland, or is that's everyone? Interesting. Or is it? Yes. Is there anyone? Maybe only Mexicans go to heaven. <laughs> Again, it's like with Toy Story, it's quite simple. Just the toys come to life when you're not looking. A Bug's Life is like, what if bugs were alive? Were alive. <laughs> um, this one it, it creates a world where all arcade machines are somehow interlinked via. A plugs a, a multi plug, <laughs> yeah, power adapter. I mean, I don't know if I want to see the sequel or not because. So the, the I mean, from what we've seen of trailers, sequel. I don't want to talk too much about the sequel, obviously, but it's about Ralph breaking the internet and going to websites and stuff. And you sound so enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's called breaks the internet, which was like a a, ta- a, a, a a hashtag or a phrase five years ago or something. It seems rather convoluted, and I'm talking about living, breathing cart- video game characters <laughs> interacting and stuff. But it, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like a really hateful film, but it's just all right, I suppose. So basically you have a world in which, in the movie, we're focused on just one Fits-It-Feel-It's arcade game. So all the arcade games in the film are all in this one arcade. Litwax arcade is Mm. is where it's set. Mm -hmm. Um, But potentially this story is happening in multiple arcades. There's Mm. different Ralphs maybe realising they've been around for 30 years. Maybe there's just Ralphs which know their place and they're quite happy being the villain. What's so special about this Ralph? I don't know. It also makes me think of, I don't know, there's a few sci-fi shows where characters are killed and they're replaced by a parallel universe version of themselves and that makes me very upset. (laughs) Um, This is like, yeah. Quite an upsetting film for me, I think. <laughs> I but mean, just all the arcades. I mean, um, there's just so few arcades nowadays. I think the the, the reason why everyone's saying um, the glitch can't win the race is that it'll cause the game to be out of order, and then the game will be shut down. And shutting, turning, unplugging your game means you basically got no home. Yes, we see. We see uh, Qbert and we see a few other uh, video game characters whose arcade machine has been switched off. What I'd say about this film in terms of there are a lot of rules in this world mm. and there's a fair amount of exposition, but I feel 
like the rules are introduced quite organically. What you mean, like when Sonic literally shouts at the screen? Well, that's what the, happens? That's the exception. <laughs> but there's basically like a set number of rules which are introduced into this world, and you kind of understand them as the film goes on. And I think they're paced quite well. It's not dumped up front or dumped at the end. But the idea is that. If you're in your arcade game, you can only stay in your arcade game. You're not allowed to visit other arcade games, unless it's the case of bad Anon meetings or Tapper or something. You can do that during downtime, hmm. presumably. Because well, a lot of people do. Like yeah. Rios and Tapper. Yeah. And, um... and they all have the meeting, actually. You know, you see that oh, in, Pac-Man. in Pac-Man, the central hub area where hmm. all the ghosts come out of just looks like a very boring break room in... <laughs> In hmm. the Pac-Man so that, universe. By that notion, then, Pac-Man is basically harassing everyone who's leaving Badenon. Yeah, well, the, what but, a prick. but the corridors in Pac-Man, they're not kind of cool neon. They look more like just probably boring office mm. space. But you have these things like in the Badenon meeting, Ralph says, I don't want to be the bad guy anymore. Mm. Um, that's my John C. Riley impression. <laughs> I, I mean, everything to be said about John C. Riley, I just love... Dr. Steve Brule hmm. um, and his work with Tim and Eric. Check it out with Dr. Steve Brule. It's maybe one yeah. of the greatest I don't, I mean, he, things of all time. I guess he's perfectly cast of this, but he's also kind of the most obvious person to cast in this. Yeah. He's just like a big lug in real life, and he's a big lug in, in this film. In the original kind of concept art, he was more like a sort of hairy monster okay. character as well. So, so even so. more lucky he is in real life. <laughs> John C. Riley, hairy monster. Um, in this meeting they say you're not going turbo are you and mm. I kind of liked how we don't really know what going turbo is yeah, until quite about halfway through the movie um, and as you say when he leaves the bad and on meeting uh, we're introduced to game central station so mm. this is basically the plug that connects yeah, the, the arcade games the big multi-tap. and that's where all the games characters uh, are kind of introduced and you know there's some of the characters in there I mean it's basically just stuffed with references so we're not going to go through absolutely everything oh I've made um, a list let's read them no I haven't read them <laughs> <laughs> but you know some of the characters are fearful of Ralph they see a villain and mm. you know but again it's just villain by name of being villain and I think mm. this is maybe maybe that's part of the message is that like just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy as Sangeef um, <laughs> says but i think that just makes the, the sort of the emotional journey just really weird because like do you think it would have been a better film if he was kind of bad and became like, good maybe if he like or maybe that's too generic got into sugar rush and like crushed the skull of one of them <laughs> sort of die <laughs> maybe i don't know so yeah you're in the game central station and again there's more plot like sonic as you so um, he basically, is, he does basically, a PSA. Yeah, he basically tells you a, an important plot point right in your face. And I do wonder yeah. if that was a, a, a later edition when they realised they needed some extra drama. To you know, what would I don't mean? Maybe the fact that if you die in the game, you in your in somebody else's game, you die forever. That that was a late edition because it certainly adds some risk and drama. But also at the very end of the film. They people like Cubert who don't have a game are introduced as bone as as being in the bonus level for Felix F- Fixer Felix Junior. And you wonder so, so if they die in the bonus level, do they die forever? Yeah, I guess that's, so. So it's kind of like a weird 
Yeah. But that, bye bye Cuba. There's definitely some strange loose ends, like at the end, Vanellope's glitchiness is resolved and solved, and yet she can still glitch around. Hmm. And so she's she's basically it basically the says odd job. <laughs> yeah, she's the odd job. She's the game, game breaker. But but at the same time, the whole problem with her being stuck in Sugar Rush, if the arcade game is closed down, mm-hmm. everyone else can evacuate to Game Central. But if she's to glitch, she's going to be stuck there. So she. If she can still glitch, is she still stuck in That's Sugar true. Rush? I am actually... Hmm. Yes. Yes and she, she's, no. she's trapped. wonder but if that's addressed in the sequel. But it's that It either will be or it won't or be. Or just be hand-waved <laughs> with a massive, massive Wreck-It Ralph hand. Yeah. Although, speaking of Wreck-It Ralph in games, we talked about the Fits at Felix arcade game tie-in for this film, but also there was Wreck-It Ralph the video game, Okay. You know, um, which was released to tie in with the movie. What, and what consoles was that? Um, I think Xbox it was, One? No, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Wii, DS, and 3DS. And uh, not good, apparently. Oh, dear. I saw some footage of it, and it looks really, really not good. Oh. Probably more successful, actually, is Wreck It Ralph was a character in Sonic and Sega. Uh, no, Sonic and All Star Racing Transformed. Wow. So this kind of Sonic Kart game, which is actually very good, mm. and he joined. Not, not, not in terms of grammar, though. Yeah, the so- titles. A bit. Well, I know Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed. I think is the official title, but okay. yeah, Wreck-It Ralph is a playable character in that game alongside Sonic and Alex Kid. All those other famous characters and Vice from Skies of Arcadia. Mm-hmm. You know, Skies of Arcadia. (laughs) Hey, I love Skies of Arcadia. That's probably the most successful Wreck-It Ralph game. And also it ties into the karting in this. Anyway, sidebar noted. I want to just ask this question. Is is Vanellope a playable character in that game? No. What? (laughs) Why did they take the one character who doesn't kart as the character in the Sonic racing game? Yeah. Come on, Sega. (laughs) So Ralph, um, after the meeting, he returns back to the... Fits at Felix Junior arcade game, and that's where they're having the 30th anniversary celebration. And he storms, crashes the party. And what did you think of the sort of um, relationship between Ralph and Felix? Okay, so because it's kind of a you know, mm. Toy Story like. There's there's kind of mm. Woody Buzz, and not the mm. same, but there is a sort of central relationship of slightly mm. antagonistic. No, here's the heroes. thing. Um, in Toy Story, I think both characters are true to themselves and they're not jerks and i think again felix he's one of these i guess you would call them nice guys they're sort of he's a jerk he 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 thinks ralph should be in his place i do actually like the scene where ralph and felix are having an awkward chat outside the party yeah, I, I feel like nice... the, the relationship they have in that instance, it feels very much like work colleagues, mm, which yes. don't really get no, that's along. that's absolutely true. And I feel like that's that's an interesting dynamic, because it's just like, oh, yeah, see you at the, you know, tomorrow for the game. <laughs> yeah. Ralph, can I help you? Hey, Felix, just wanted to check on you. I saw a big uh, explosion or something go over, over the building there. Oh, those are just fireworks. Fireworks, okay. Somebody's birthday or? Well, it's more of an anniversary, the 30th anniversary of our game, actually. What? 
Is that today? I know. Oh, I'm such a dummy with dates. Anyway, uh, congratulations. Thank you, Ralph. And to you, too. <laughs> like, later on, I mean, I can't believe we've gone this long without talking about my favourite character. I think she's her name's pronounced as a Cal... Calhoun? Yeah, but I guess we I was going to get to that with the hero's we'll duty, but... Yeah, yeah, but she, they, they end up uh, kind of together, and he just... Again, I, I lump him in with all the other residents of the... Is it Nicelands Tower? Uh, Nicelands... The Nicelanders. The Nicelanders. They're all just be so horrible. I mean... Well, if, when Ralph comes in, storms into the party, he does kill Felix. Yeah. I mean, he regenerates. But, like, they all... They've seen him <laughs> die a hundred times. They've all act surprised. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is, um... Emphasis on trying. Trying. Um, is... You talk, comparing with Woody and Buzz in Toy Story, they care about each other. Even in the first film, they even if they don't like each other, they 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 care about each other. In in whether or not they you know, they either hate or they love each other, I feel like Felix has no connection with Ralph. Um, he he doesn't really care about Ralph. He cares about the game. He cares about things just continuing as is. And I know. In that, in Rapton, that is, uh, he cares about the game being shut down and on all the people and stuff, but it doesn't really come across that way. It comes across as, you know, I just don't think he'd ever go on a, on a protest. <laughs> he, he, he toes the line, does well, Felix. Yeah, but I think that's as part of his character that he is a goody two-shoes. I suppose. He, you know, doesn't want to swear. He kind of speaks like uh, Kathy Bates in Misery. Wait, he says, oh, my land, a lot. What okay. Does, what does that mean? He I don't says know. that a bunch of times. He talks about the honey glow in his cheeks. That's kind of cute. But he kept <laughs> saying, oh, my land, repeatedly, and... I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I like the performance, though. Uh, yes. It's, it's a good performance. I get the character. And the design. I mean, obviously, he's a distillation of Marion and all sorts of playable a little, characters. A little bit Bob the Builder. Can he fix it? Mm, no, I, I think it's a really nice design. I think generally the design in this is pretty good. I think considering that they have to work with different video games, different styles of games, different era mm. of games... I feel like the original characters fit quite well with the characters um, from other source material, but I think it also does a really good job. I think particularly something like in Sugar Rush, I mean, mm. we can talk about, you know, what that comprises, but I like the characters, the designs of the different races. Mm. Um, they yes. feel like the kind of things you would see in a knockoff Mario Kart clone I based around my, candy. My favourite was Francis, who's obviously got a Reese's peanut butter cup yeah, on his head yeah very much very very that's me <laughs> that's my avatar i think the relationship is it's an interesting dynamic i don't know whether it's 100 percent successful mm. in the original i watched some deleted scenes for the film and it seemed that ralph and felix were more spent more of the film together mm. um and they did a lot more together in hero's duty and in sugar rush and yeah, again, that's a very different way of presenting things. I think by making Ralph more of the mm. focus and having Felix separated and with Calhoun more of the time, um, maybe it doesn't allow that actual relationship yeah. to really solidify. I mean, 
I mean, Vanellope, Vanellope is a great character with a great vocal performance from Sarah Silverman, but and I feel like I would enjoy watching that that earlier version a bit more. There's obviously mm. a reason they didn't go for it, but you know, it might be interesting to have effectively Donkey Kong and Mario going on an adventure together mm. and being slightly antagonistic. But then you, you hear about films like Zootopia or Zootropolis, where um, originally the fox was going to absolutely be the main character, but then we realised the more interesting tale was with the, the bunny rabbit. So, yeah, yeah we see all, all, all... The good thing about an animated movie is, of course, there's, they have to get a lot done to the script before they actually go and film it. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of this stuff was storyboarded, voiced, everything, you know, animatics and, and such, but it, when it comes to the final animation, they just decided... To, to uh, drop it. There was another whole extra subplot about a, an additional game that was going to be included in the film, but I feel like maybe that will be more explored in the sequel. There was mm. a game called Extreme Easy Living 2, <laughs> and the idea was that Ralph would uh, go to it. It's basically kind of like, I think they said it was like The Sims meets Grand Theft Auto. Okay. And it's more like a popularity app thing where you get coins and people say like it like it like oh, it like it's it like that black middle like mirror it. episode with, with um, bryce dallas with bryce dallas howard <laughs> yeah but that whole thing was dropped it did and then looking at the deleted scenes you can clearly see mm. why but i guess that's more in the territory of the sequel well that's like another maybe problem i have with this out of like 200 i seem to have okay um we only really i feel like we spend too much time in sugar rush i've my notes mm. definitely I feel the first half of the film has got a lot of world building, a lot of clever video gamey type stuff, a lot of fun seeing Ralph interact with all the different video game uh, worlds and people. I absolutely love the Call of not Call of Duty, the Heroes Heroes Duty Heroes Duty stuff. Um, and I feel like I would have had a lot more fun if we went to multiple games, but about halfway through, or even earlier, we enter Sugar Rush. And we and it's a massive visual shock when we go from the dark and gloom to of um, Heroes Duty, kind of Wizard of Oz style. Yeah, with some with this great is it is it dubstep soundtrack? What do the young people call oh, it? Oh, you have <laughs> you well Skrillex himself cameos playing the um, really the penthouse party. He's the <laughs> DJ, but he provided the music for the Heroes Duty. Oh, well, uh, action I, scene. I really like that music. Um, and then we cut to Sugar Rush. It looks great at the start. And then I do eventually get a bit bored of all the pink. It's kind of very visually samey for a, a good two-thirds or... I think the main issue with the Sugar Rush world isn't so much the design and the presentation, but it's the fact that the film stops being a video game reference movie and starts being a candy reference movie. Or just like a generic fantasy film with a, with a despot type well but that stuff's okay but then it's just you know i i came to watch this film and see <laughs> video games being referenced but now it's just all american candy so you yeah, have like oreos you have that, no sorry the oreo joke is no. the best joke of the film the castle is guarded by wizard of oz style soldiers going oreo oreo that's, yes, that's funny. That's also true. a really bad joke, but funny. It's true, but it, then it begets... It, I think that's where the product placementness of the film stops being endearing. For some reason, why are video games being referenced more in, endearing than, say, in the Emoji movie when they do lots of apps? And I mm. worry that's going to be the case with Ralph Breaks the Internet. Mm. I think there's you have a nostalgia, an affection, and a love 
for video games more than you do. No, it's true. Cause candy or apps or websites. Yeah, on my early on my earliest notes, I absolutely admit I got lots of nostalgia feels watching all the classic video game characters walking around the station and things. And I think I actually feel I got more lovely nostalgia feels the second time I watched it rather than the first time because I think since I watched it I've got into retro gaming just a little bit more mm-hmm. and so it's been really nice it was just I just got lovely fuzzy feelings but yes all that does drop off in the yeah. second half of the film it, it's just it just loses all its cool yeah just then you, but then you get stuff I mean again I think video games are more universal but a lot of these candy stuff is very American focused so you mm. have like Laffy Taffy oh, Americans well, referencing their own culture I know I know but you feel you know there's maybe universality with some of the other stuff mm. and you get Beard Papa although that's a Japanese thing mm. but you I get wondered, I didn't re- I didn't recognise him but I assumed he was yeah so you uh, but it's just weird You, you it ends up being just you go in thinking it's going to be one thing and then the movie presents you with something completely different. And, like, a, the final act and so much of it is resting basically on a meme in which you add mm. Mentos to Diet Coke to create... Um, and that depends on how much... explosion. I know, and that was very... Not part of our childhood, really. We exploded no, other recent, things. it's a recent internet thing, but yeah. it's it just seems... It sort of peters out. It loses its like, fizz. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like a bit of a... It, it's, it's as I say, it, it becomes less, it becomes more pop culture reference territory rather than timeless movie classic territory, mm. like what you would expect from a, a Disney animation, perhaps. I mean, it would be interesting. It would be nice if the, if the sequel decided to stick with the video game thing and go to like Japanese video games, went full bore Final Fantasy and stuff. <laughs> maybe. Well, Keep... if it's internet, maybe it'll be sort of MMORPG or. Mm. Or, or something um, but that, that brings up just another point is that they the characters in the arcade games are aware of characters from other video games which wouldn't necessarily be in an arcade um, I'm, I'm willing to give that a bit of a gimme because um, I don't know why just being contrary, perhaps. But they seem to know a lot about... What do they... Example. When... Okay, so Ralph is is looking for a medal, because um, at the penthouse party, he has mm. been told, when you get a medal, you can get on top of the birthday cake. Mm. Um, and basically, he thinks getting a medal is a shortcut to him becoming the hero and getting appreciated mm. by the Nicelanders. So he's in Tapper, which is the root beer drinking game I thought, I thought Mario was the barman for oh, a right. moment because he's got a moustache and basically Mario's face but I like how um, I, we haven't mentioned but with the Nicelanders and with Tapper in the arcade bar they do a really nice effect where they remove animation frames mm, to, to create this sort of slightly jumpy but why isn't Ralph like that well, they, why isn't because it would Felix be annoying. like that because it would be annoying <laughs> I guess you could argue that um, you know, Felix is a playable character, and Ralph is is kind of like a different sort a boss, of sprite. A setting, different yeah. sprite, yeah, I guess so. But it's just, I wonder if those Nicelanders are jealous. Maybe that's why they're such a, so such a dick. Yeah, you have fluid movement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can move in three sixty degrees. It's a nice effect. I, I will concede, it's a nice effect. But yeah, so Ralph is in Tapper, and you know, check out back and the lost and found. Maybe there's a medal there, mm. and he pulls out a Metal Gear Solid Bing. exclamation mark. Mm. But Metal Gear Solid wouldn't be in the arcades. I imagine Snake with his stealth skills so to go did, everywhere. Did someone 
maybe someone brought a PlayStation into Litwatt's arcade once mm. and, you know, plugged it into the same plug point and Snake went and had a drink yeah. at Tapper and... Yeah, the director is listening to this podcast. Explain yourself. We see you, Richmore. We see you. I should add, well, in terms of the director, we mentioned, we've also mentioned Angry Birds movie a few times, but mm. uh, Richmore himself... We, the writer of the Angry Birds movie, John Vitti, he wrote a lot of classic Simpsons episodes, but Richmore directed a whole bunch of mm-hmm. of, of classic uh, Simpsons episodes. I think some of the ones even that we mentioned with regards to the, the Angry Birds movie. Mm. But, Is there anyone's featuring video games? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. But he did. He directed such things as... Um, Ooh, uh, yeah, Lisa's Substitute, Start Raving Dad, The Telltale Head, oh God, Brother Can You ones. Spare Two Dimes, Streetcar Named Marge, Itchy and Scratchy the Movie, Marge This is the Monorail, Cape Fear. Oh, my favourite ones! <laughs> Pretty much. He also directed quite a few Futuramas. He co-directed okay. the pilot, first uh, anthology of interests he co-directed, and, okay. Ro- and uh, Roswell that ends well. And did he... As well. Did he... Do you know if he joined Wreck-It Ralph throughout at the start, or...? Yeah, I mean, he was... He was he basically, as I said at the at the start, he was brought into Disney to say, make a movie about video games. Oh, right, he, yeah. he kind of was like, okay, I'll do that then. He also co-wrote and I think co-directed Zootopia okay. uh, as well. And yeah, yeah, so, you know, he's involved in in Disney. Yeah, no, I, I do apologise to our listeners if I'm sounding a little bit vague. So, I mean, one bit I, I categorically love, as I mentioned earlier, is the Call of... I keep calling it Call of Duty, but it's obviously the title's meant to... Heroes Duty. Heroes Duty. It's sort of a which is Halo-style... Generic space A little bit marine. Metroid. Yeah. And, I mean, that's interesting because you have the main character from, from Heroes Duty, Sergeant Calhoun, mm-hmm. uh, played by Jane Lynch. And mm-hmm. I quite liked how the main sort of... So sort of the main person in the arcade playing these games is actually a girl. I thought she was and really cute. She gravitates towards the violent shooter bug, yeah. uh, futuristic shooting game, which I, which might... I thought was a... I think it's just, you know, they didn't have to do that, but they did that, and I think that was a very nice nice touch, because she... girls like violent games yeah, too. She, I thought that's my daughter, and, <laughs> and I love her. But she's very cute with her pink glasses and her um, haircut. <laughs> um, but yes... Uh, I would love Call <laughs> Heroes Duty. Um, I would love that game. And I would love it even if there was one Marine um, just screaming in the camera going, Jesus Christ, <laughs> ah! Um, like Bill Paxton and Aliens. When they, yeah, I mean, as you say that, when I was watching the DVD, they said that it was very much inspired by Aliens and Saving Private Ryan mm. were the kind of uh, points of reference because it is just chaos on stream and you know i know they get to have their cake and eat it a bit because it's a violent shooting up with like pg-13 language a bit i mean they have a lot of fun with uh, calhoun saying pussy willows come on pussy willows so but uh, it's just really cool violent i know it's kind of like comically generic as well and again it's a real nice it's a shock when the world of that game bleeds into the world of sugar rush it's it's they're, they're completely different ends of the spectrum mm. because um, ralph gets a medal in that game and um blasts off in an escape pod crashing into sugar rush mm. and um he takes with him a cyborg mm. which sort of infiltrate the Sugar Rush universe. One throwaway line is that the bugs, if they consume something, they adopt its um, 
skills. Skills and characteristics, kind of in a Kirby... Yeah, deadly Kirby. Deadly, violent, scary, bug Kirby sort of way. But it was a bit strange how the idea is that this game has been developed, but the enemies in the game are a virus. And um, so the, the yes. idea is that they sort of infiltrate this one game. That just seems like poor, poor programming. programming. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. But I would happily watch a, a spin-off film with her in it, with her Calhoun. Uh, she's got her flashback is my favourite bit in the film where I think the line goes, she's got the, she's programmed with the most tragic backstory. Mm. The one day she didn't check the per, her, the perimeter, her wedding day. And then like a bug eats her husband up and she happens to have a minigun in her skirt, which I love. I've got something to say about that scene. Mm-hmm. So the voice of her fiancé, yep. Brad, uh-huh. The American version has a different voice to the UK version. Interesting. Because the UK version was voiced by Radio 1 DJ Nick Grimshaw. What? And this is probably... Well, this is probably an example of a very... I think it's probably petered out now, but there was a trend from around about 2000 to this film where the UK versions of movies would replace voice actors with British, in air quotes, celebrities. Celebs. Slebs. Slebs. It was kind of started with Toy Story 2, but in the scene in the airport towards the end of Toy Story 2, you have BBC, CBBC broom cupboard favourite Andy Peters mm. uh, provides a voice of a baggage handler, <laughs> but he's in every version. Where is he now? Working baggage. Oh, Andy Peters. <laughs> Working as a baggage. He handler. sometimes pops up uh, hosting no, we, we competitions love. on this morning. Okay. So, but that's in all versions. But then later on, and I think it was Shrek 2, which was the main thing which really kicked it off, they would take voice uh, characters in the American version and then replace them with British versions. Mm. So in Shrek 2, you have a bartender, uh, a bearded lady or something. In the American version, that's played by Larry King. Yeah. In the British version, that's Jonathan Ross. Mm-hmm. And Joan Rivers plays a reporter. And in the British version, that was done by Kate Thornton. Okay. And what I don't get is that people in this country would know the voice of Larry King. They might have seen him in other stuff. They would know for certain Joan Rivers. I think mm. more people in the UK would know Joan Rivers than Kate bleeding Thornton mm. and the whole character is modelled on Joan Rivers it's like in at Shark Tale another example they have a reporter called, uh, called Katie Current and that's um, voiced by Katie Couric who's a famous broadcaster in America but in the UK version it's voiced by Fiona Phillips from GMTV so the whole joke the whole idea of this character being a fish version mm-hmm. of this famous broadcast in America is lost in Cars the <laughs> Pixar film this is a little bit more appropriate but Jeremy Piven voices a ro- uh, robot machine device or whatever and that's voiced in the UK version by Jeremy Clarkson I see okay there's a top gear connection all i'm saying is this is just part of a very frustrating and annoying trend where you have just random british slebs mm-hmm. just pop up in american movies for no reason at all apart from there's probably some sort of making of promotional thing to be had mm. it's 
Can I have my soapbox now, please? Yeah, you can have it. But anyway, <laughs> Nick Grimshaw, you're not allowed in Wreck-It Ralph. He has two lines. I didn't... You know, I, to be no, honest, I think it's just one repeated. It's you're one a line. dynamite gal. Okay. I bet he talks about that at length on his um, his own show as well. Yeah. Well, I think the original <laughs> voice of that part was actually just done by the editor of the movie. Okay. So it's not like we're missing out on voice acting gold. Well, I just feel like it's a very strange practice, which complete... hopefully has died. Yeah, for completionists' sake, I'll seek out the American version and watch it with the original dynamite it changes out. everything but sorry i ruined your favorite scene <laughs> yeah it's ruined forever now though actually he doesn't speak in my favorite scene so that's not so bad okay he just gets gobbled up but still i, get, I give disney some plaudits for basically having a violent shooter and like a, a, a subversion of the happy ending right in the middle mm-hmm. of the film so well, where maybe are we, we should talk about sugar rush yeah, so we, sugar right, rushes sugar rushes introduced just about the sort of songs on the soundtrack do you like the Sugar Rush song? Because I love um, it. I can't remember. I'm it. not usually it's a f- ear bleedingly twee. I think not usually a fan of AKB48. Oh yeah, um, the Japanese mega idol group. Okay. But um, I do enjoy S U G A R. Jump into your racing car, Sugar Rush, Sugar Rush. Mm-hmm. I've had that in my head quite a bit okay. <laughs> this past week. Yes. And then in the end credits, they have um, like a Wreck It Ralph song which is done by Buckner and Garcia, mm-hmm. who were a sort of novelty act famous for doing a song called Pac-Man Fever back in the, uh, well, when Pac-Man was a popular game. <laughs> so it's quite a nice touch to bring them, bring that back for uh, a whole new song all about uh, another so-called classic arcade mm. character. So, yeah, anyway, Sugar Rush, catchy music. I mean, this the Sugar Rush world reminds one of that other cinematic milestone, uh, Speed Racer, mm. um, which is kind of a cult classic now. Again, I, I saw that back in the day with uh, our brother Hamish, and again, we both staggered out knowing it's going to be probably not a, not a hit, but beloved, and that seems to have come to pass. And, you know, even if you don't like the film, you can absolutely... It's it's basically Sugar Rush. It's um it's a cartoon live action film with with extreme racing in it, and mm. um, I felt like it's done a bit better in Speed Racer, really. But that's not to say that when um, Sugar Rush starts, it's a lot of fun. The I love the the weapons, which are you know it's basically Mario Kart, isn't it? Yeah, with the yeah. ice cream rockets and stuff like that. But it's just again, it just feels a bit strange how we spend so much time there. Yeah, and. The bulk of the the thrust of this section, so the the plot resets really in a way because mm. he 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 kind of gets his medal, then he loses his medal because it's used to for Vanellope to as payment to enter a game, enter a race yes. that will allow her to become an avatar for other people to choose. I feel these narrative these plot hurdles. Points, hurdles could sort of be condensed somewhat. I don't. Is there such a thing where there's an arcade game which changes its roster of choosable no. characters daily? I I'm mean, not saying in this world that the characters in the game duke it out to see who will be in the roster. No. I mean, I will, I'm I will, not sure I will, how that well, works. Well, no, you are right. The I would if, if a game came out where, like a fighting game, as another example, where any day you go, you might not get to play as your favorite character. It would not. It would. It wouldn't sell. You wouldn't get money out of it, but I'll, I'll allow it in this as a sort of hook. This is just this is the selling. Yeah. This is the selling point of this particular game. 
you know, going ahead a bit. God knows why Turbo, a character from another game, somehow goes into this game and becomes basically God. I don't know how that works. Um, <laughs> because the thrust of the plot really is, is Penelope should be the king... Vanellope. Vanellope should be the queen of... or the princess of this land, though she's not wearing a princess uniform on the side of the of the arcade machine. She's just wearing a sort of white like racing outfit. outfit. Well, King Candy sort of puts on some goggles when he's racist, so I guess that's his racing outfit. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I'm really thick because even though they say halfway through the film, Turbo was a racing character and he disappeared forever, it didn't... I didn't realise Turbo was going to be King Candy, even though he's doing all the racing and being an evil bastard, until right well, near I, the end. I, I, it didn't really occur to me too much either, but yeah, maybe I'm just a dum-dum yeah, uh, to steal blood. But yeah, so <laughs> I mean, the so the main characters in the Sugar Rush land that we spend time with is is the aforementioned Vanellope mm. Von Schweetz, who's a glitch, and she's not allowed to enter the race and all the other races... Um, are very hostile because they've had their minds wiped we discover later well but the reason for them being hostile is that you know it's disruptive if she glitches like she could crash into another player and and Mm. such because she moves around and also as it's plain that if the game is seen to be glitching Mm. um then it might be shut down and they'd be Mm. lost forever and as she is a glitch she won't be able to exit the game and she'll die Mm. with the game when it's switched off It's that little crumb snatcher. Candlehead, taffeta, rancis, you're looking well. Came by to check out the competition, huh? Well, here it is, the lickety split. Sheesh, looks like she built it herself. Built it myself. Fastest pedal power west of the whack-a-mole. Check her out. <laughs> oh, Vanellope, it's so you. But you have to back out of the race. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I don't, you know, because I, I paid my fee and I'm on the board. So, yeah, I'm definitely racing. Yeah, well, King Candy says glitches can't race. I'm not a glitch tacked. I've just got Pixlexia, okay? The villain of the piece, or the, the ruler of Sugar Rush, is King Candy, mm. voiced by Alan Tudyk. Tudic, I think is the pronunciation, but he's like a kind of, um, I mean, he pops up in lots of stuff, but he's become something of a of a regular Disney animation. Is he? Is it John Ratzenberger, who's in the Pixar yeah, ones? Yeah, he's he's the John Ratzenberger of the Disney animated films. Yeah, yeah, very much so. But he kind of voiced the the, the mannerisms and the voice is very much indebted to um, Ed Wynn, who was played the Mad Hatter in Alice yes. in Wonderland. No, I, I and, got that vibe, um, absolutely. And very much he was also uh, in Mary Poppins, the I love to laugh. <laughs> okay. So, um, but did you like that performance in this film? Do you, what do you think of King Candy? I found him sort of annoying, but not in a good way. I, I like it, but it, I don't get what it's doing here. Mm. In a way, because I, I guess they're trying to do a sort of fantasy wonderland sort of deal. So it works doing a sort of Alice in Wonderland style performance in a way. And you have like a royal ruler kind of deal. Um, but it's not very video game like. Again, I feel like the film might have been stronger with if if the struggle was between Vanellope 
and just one of the racers. Well, no, and and Ralph. Oh, right. I mean, I know they have. I know they come to blows a bit, but it's like they have to overcome this sort of outs. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I do like I do like King Candy when he's a monster at the end when he he some he become, he becomes a monster for some reason. Well, because he gets so when they have the big final race mm-hmm. and uh, he gets swallowed by a cyborg, right? And then the cyborg taking on the characteristics becomes like a King Candy cyborg. Okay, so is that final creature a cyborg with King Candy's face, or is it is, is King Candy in control? I think it's a cyborg with King Candy's face because I, <laughs> I, I no, I think that's what it must be. We've gone incep- we've inceptioned, yeah, um, Wreck It Ralph. It's some sort of horrible fusion, and it's pretty creepy. Mm. I mean, the way he dies is that there's a beacon which all the bugs can't resist, and it's used in Hero's duty to kill all the bugs at the end of a level. Yes, and then they recreate it using Coca Cola and Menthos exploding. And um, it's kind of horrific how all the bugs go into this exploding Coca-Cola, uh, as well as King Candy Bug Monster slash Turbo, who just can't resist going into fire. So, like, imagine, imagine the end of Toy Story three, but Woody just can't resist <laughs> crawling <laughs> onto his, his hands and knees into the flames. <laughs> um, that's kind of how this film ends. It's like, hey, Buzz, what happens to Wood? It burns. It burns. <laughs> what happens to plastic? It m- melts. melts. <laughs> I want to be. I want to be positive uh, now. How much more there is to say about this film, really? Well, I mean, I mean, looking looking at my notes, I mean, th- throughout um, Wreck-It Ralph's adventure through Sugar Rush, he is pursued by uh, Fix It Felix and Calhoun, and they go on like an adventure together. They. Um, Fix it, Felix saves Calhoun, who kind of almost immediately starts feeling something for him. She she brushes mm. him off, but really she falls in love with him kind of there and then, which I found a little bit sort of disappointing, if not even though it's kind of played for laughs. Fix it, Felix basically gets captured by King Candy at one point, and Wreck It Ralph comes to save him, and Felix says to his face. You don't know what it's like to be rejected and treated like a criminal. And I'm just like, what, privilege much? It's just, but that's, he's a that's dick. the point. Ralph says, it's, yeah, it's, but that's my life every day. I mean, again, boiling, I don't want to keep returning to this, but I mean, this, it's like hating on a hungry tramp um, who's, who steals to feed himself. All these people act this way to him. And at the end, what, what changes in the relationship? Breckett Ralph says it's okay to be a bad guy, but well, then he does a massively heroic act by by activating this volcano of mentors. Mm. But all he does is reiterate what he learned at Bad and On from the start. So mm. it's it's the message of the film is presented at the start, and it just takes him the film to accept it, mm. I suppose. But I mean, King Candy is a bad guy. And apparently yeah. it's not all right that he's a bad. <clears throat> but he's meant to... No, he's meant... King Candy's meant to be nice, though. The, the, the leader of sh- of the world of Sugar Rush is meant to be nice. So, And he's being bad. Yes. He's been evil, but he basically has gone into the code mm. of the game and he's removed Vanellope, who's the rightful ruler of Sugar Rush, and that's why she's glitching. Mm. Um, and he's also wiped the memories of everyone mm. uh, in the game, it does, too. It does make me wonder, I wonder what... 
trying to think of films where all the characters have their memory wiped just before the film starts and what kind of films you'll come up with. Like, 007, why did you murder that man? But wasn't that what happened in the Pokemon movie? Um, when they all yes, come back crikey. and basically just like, I guess what happened? <laughs> I guess we're here just because we're here. Yeah, pretty much. Everything can be boiled back to Pokemon. Spoilers for Pokemon, the first movie available on a separate episode. Yeah, I mean, in the in the Sugar Rush game, you have the dynamic between Ralph and Vanellope is, is the main thing and how, you know, they don't get along, but then there's sort of begrudging respect. They and... make a connection because they're both outsiders. Yes. He sees everyone ganging up on, on Vanellope. A little bit is, yeah, I, I can use her to get back my medal because she stole it. She can use the medal so that she can become a selectable avatar in the game and, you know, become legitimate. But yes, they sort of bond over the outcast nature of themselves. And there's some sweet stuff, like they, they build a car together and yeah, that was she sweet. learns how to race and, and, you know... I love the sequence of they make the car because the graphics fly into the screen and then that felt very much like a video game. That was the yeah, video game yeah. bit. That was a lot of fun. And it's very sad when Ralph is... Um, Destroying con- the car. Yeah, convinced by King Candy to destroy... Mm. Vanellope's car because they put so much into it and yeah. that really that no, really got me. I, I did write a note to say I didn't really feel, really feel anything when they were having a stand-up argument but when he destroys that car which is very much a symbol of their new friendship that mm. is very upsetting. Um, and But again that's a lot down to the to the performance yes, uh, performances it, in, that, in that moment. Mm. So with King Candy defeated uh, Vanellope is restored as the rightful ruler of Sugar Rush. And there's a sort of Shrek-like transformation sequence, you know, the mm. Disney-style surrounded Shrek-like by... Shrek-like Disney-style, which came first. Well, Shrek <clears throat> taking Disney-style to sort of invert the idea of the big transformation Do we all start sequence. singing All-Star? <laughs> Some... <laughs> I can't remember how there's <laughs> um, people. Some uh, okay. <laughs> some some people. Some people. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I like that remix yeah. of the Smash Mouth classic. But it's, I I quite like the moment when her first sort of um, ruling, her first decree is that she's going to execute everyone who ever kinda wronged w- her. Yeah, kind of wish she'd follow that through. I liked it when Calhoun says, ah, this is about to get interesting. Yeah, that was a nice little button. I mean, yeah. I guess it's worth noting, obviously, Silverman, Sarah Silverman is famous for saying the unsayable. So actually, when she was cast in this, it was a little bit interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I remember in the Q&A, she had to really sort of hold her tongue in a few <laughs> instances with the uh, children present in the audience. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, she also says that she's going to instigate a constitutional democracy. Kids love that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, but it sort of subverts, again, Disney princess royalty mm. kind of standards. She's officially, I guess, a Disney princess in that respect. Yeah. But first thing she does is just like, ah, let's uh, down with the monarchy. Or... Yeah. Well, I mean, again... It just got them into trouble. It just got them into trouble. I mean, one of the best bits in the new trailer is... Well, one of the most famous bits, I should say, of the new trailer is she's meeting princesses. So we'll see how that pans out. Maybe she's going to... This one will going to be about politics. It's going to be very political, the internet is now. So the next film is going to be super political. And maybe I'll have... be a lot deeper than well, give, this given one. Given that, at least in the trailer, that Twitter is represented just as... 
birds tweeting pictures of cats mm. and okay. dogs or something as opposed to hot take. vicious um <laughs> harassing uh, people of color and stuff. And stuff i mean maybe well, it'll go into that, ter- that maybe it'll go into that territory but i think um yeah since that film was probably animated and since the film is going to come out there's mm. been quite a shift into what twitter is, is yeah. uh, represents is, is, nowadays is the sequel directed by rich moore i uh i don't I think we possibly, could research this. But. I think possibly Ari is <laughs> on maybe writing or executive producing or, or something. I think he's still involved okay. for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, we will cover the sequel when it comes out. But what's our thoughts then? I think I know your thoughts well, again, on the original. I feel like we, we've done. This is episode nine, believe it or not. Episode nine. And can't wait for episode nine talking about internet trolls. What's that mean? Star Wars. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> I was just reaching for that. So, I mean, there's obviously in, in the nine episodes we've done, there's in films I've loved and there's films I've hated, and there's there's a few films I just I just can't quite click with, and, and as I said, I can't quite click with this. I kind of there's a difference between what you say and and how you say it and what you do, and I, I feel it's it all ain't me- what you do. It's the way that you do it. And that's what gets results. <laughs> um, so, yeah, again, so we start with a, bad, a guy who, who's in bad guy, who's cast as a bad guy, but he's, he, in his actions he's definitely not. Um, and obviously that's a good avenue for, for a plot, I suppose, where it's, it's not about... Yeah, like who, the whole don't judge people oh, by their appearance yeah. and accept those who are different from you because they are people just like you. But... It kind of becomes muddy when he decides to be the bad guy. So he ends up... It's about somebody who doesn't believe he's a bad... Someone who's not bad and doesn't believe he's a bad guy. And eventually he he believes he's a bad guy, but he's still not bad. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that quite works. It, I mean, yeah, so the end of the film is, is just him back in fits at Felix Jr. Hmm. But this time when, when he gets thrown off a building and, and stuff like that, the... Nicelanders bake him a cake mm. and they kind of just consider him one of their own. So I, I think it's, it, it's less it about the message and the grander scheme. It's more just on a kind of very micro level in terms of this one character being mm. accepted. I think it's more of a Nicelanders change than Ralph does. It kind of reminds me of a, of a Black Mirror episode again where it's just like... You know, he, the, the system insidiously gets to him and, you know, it may, he may feel like he's improved his lot in life, yeah. but he, he really hasn't. <laughs> yeah. And Vanellope ends up being just a racer still. Yeah, but, you know, she becomes the favourite character of, you know, one of the Cheaters. players in the... Yeah, people who like to cheat their way into the oh, game. No, that's true, yeah. God, what a rubbish film. She is odd job. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I do wonder if the sequel might give us more of the characters sort of inner thoughts of feeling I'm, I'm, inter- I'm interested to see if my if the sequel changes my view of this film but we'll just have to wait and see what did you actually think of this film i very much liked it um when i first saw it but what always did stick in my craw mm. um have i turned you <laughs> No, 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 but like from the very first time I saw it, is the Sugar Rush portion of the film, is that mm. it does it, it does slightly um, it kind Pink, of... Pink's for girls is rubbish. <laughs> no, 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 not that. <laughs> it just sort of naffs me off 
<laughs> it really um, chaffs my buttons. I don't know what the phrase is. Chaffs your buttons? I think we're going to use that more often. <laughs> oh, um, chaffs your buttons? I think your I'm jelly, your to, jelly I'm, buttons. I'm, I'm just trying to be um, very Fitz and Felix Jr. about the situation. <laughs> That's it, a very good impression. Well, thank you. This brings me <laughs> honey glow in my cheeks. <laughs> it's, it's just how that portion of the film is just... It loses the video game... It loses what makes it unique. It, yeah, and it becomes generic fantasy land... Sort or, of like Shrek, it becomes sort of Yeah, Shrek. generic fantasy land, plus also references to candies I don't know or understand. Mm. <laughs> you're holding a baby Ruth, and you're like, what, what ba- is, yeah. where's the baby? <laughs> well, they have like devil dogs, like little, mm. I don't know, Twinkie, you know, you know what? Donuts. I laughed at that in a Family Guy sort of way because I like I knew that was a reference and I didn't quite understand it, but I still went. <laughs> yeah, <I, clears throat> sand. I know what Nesquik is, but that mm. just is like they had to put a sign on it. Yeah, to get so when you to, have to put a sign yeah. on a reference, it's no longer. It's a political cartoon yeah. when you put like um, one of those bad, um, deliberately bad The Onion ones, where mm. it's just everything's written written out. Um, so that was that was my abiding memory is that I enjoyed the film and I very much liked, you know, the emotional characterization mm. and that and that stuff. I I really liked and I feel like in my rewatches, it doesn't bother me as much having all that Candyland stuff because I kind of know where the film is going. It's like mm. when I first watched. Hot Fuzz, you expect it's going to be like a a parody of of police movies, but then it's like weird slasher movie stuff mm. and underground cults and Wicker Man style things. And it's once you see it another time, you can enjoy the fusion that's happening. And I, I like your fusion hand gestures you did then. Oh, it's such a shame that this is an audio medium because you're missing yeah. out on all these amazing gestures. I mean, speaking of visuals, just. In session, the credits of this film are really lovely with a lot yeah. of old school graphics and there's a part on me which thought god it would be interesting if the film just looked like that I mean it's like the uh, the you know like Duck and Muck or something you know one of the old Warner Brothers classics mm. or even like Looney Tunes back in action when they run through all the paintings and they go into these different art styles mm. if it was just Ralph breaking through all these different arcades and him being mm. rendered in all these different uh, graphics and having to grapple with these worlds. I, I get the idea of having to sort of settle in these spaces, in Sugar Rush, in Hero's Duty. You can't cover absolutely everything. But maybe that would have just worked a bit better, having just made a bit more dynamic and stopped the Sugar Rush section as much as I enjoy the emotional core of that section with Vanellope. The sugary emotional core. Or the sour. sugary or the sour emotional core. It's, it's very... Um, uh, on message overly saccharine <laughs> but as much as I like that part of it it the film does slow down mm. um, ironically because it's all about race because it's all about race and you know speed mm. equals distance over time um, <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a formula yes <laughs> so yeah and I think that is still the case with the film I do very much still like this film I don't think it's maybe top tier no um, and again I'm surprised the sequel's even being made because I, d- I don't see many people where, with uh, Wreck-It Ralph lunchboxes, at least in my office. Um, like, where do you work? Where people still have, like, sort of characters from animations no, and blazing on No, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to have permeated the culture. I mean, even, I think, Big Hero 6, which, again, is a similarly middle-of-the-road animated movie, seems to have permeated the culture, because whenever I Google... Whenever I look for a, a GIF or a GIF of a, a hug, um, that big yeah. robot appears... 
I think that's what we mentioned in a previous episode was our film has just been made for gifable moments. Mm. And I think Wreck-It Ralph 2, in a way, probably has that already yeah. with the... Um, exploding rabbit. Ex- exploding rabbit. <laughs> if you don't know what end- we're talking about, watch the trailer for Wreck-It oh, yeah. Ralph 2. And we'll, I'm sure we'll discuss it on a future episode. Is, is the, is, but is the, internet, is the sequel going to be even video gamey enough to merit an episode on games on film i think i think yes because he's a vid- the stars are video game characters yeah but um there, there does seem to be a lot of video games in the trailer anyway we're talking about the trailer the sequel too much that's yeah that's um so something else for you to enjoy. hopefully it will be a little bit less meandery in the sequel maybe there'll be more yeah. of a narrative thrust so i think i'm a little bit cool on it and you're a little bit warm on it yeah i i do like this film i i i do enjoy it there's a lot going for it but it does have. <laughs> I imagine that being on the box instead of Jonathan. <laughs> there's Wilson's a lot print. going for it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot going for it. <laughs> there's a lot of elements I, I I do like about this film. I don't think necessarily the film as a whole really holds up so much. But yeah, I, I it's the emotional <laughs> stuff which I think and the okay. performances which really do it for me more than just oh I recognise that from this video game. Yeah, I guess it's not swimming in in references. It does have a have a plot, even it, though it's not super imaginative. It could have been much much worse, <laughs> and that's what we we kind of end on with most it, of our. It could have been much worse. <laughs> could, have, could have been um, much worse. And so I mentioned earlier, it's nine nine episodes. We started in March. Next episode is episode number ten, and we thought it'd be a good idea to. To mark that milestone with another cinematic milestone, not a million miles away really from the film we've just discussed. Um, it's a Disney film. It's called Tron. <laughs> it's the film Tron. <laughs> it's the film Tron. We're going way, way back. Mm, one to of the, the beginning. Possibly, you know, one of the earliest titles that we will uh, cover. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I think it is pre. I think there's another film. I think about last, video games. Last Starfighter was before oh, Tron, yes, I think. So we might, we'll possibly get onto that. But yes, this is definitely one of the early, early, mm. early ventures from Litwack's arcade of Wreck It Ralph to Flynn's arcade. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, famously using CGI uh, in a big bad way with the light cycles and very much trying to imagine what I mean again a big part of Wreck-It Ralph is people looking into their arcade cabinets and seeing what's going on inside and they do very much the same thing in Tron and rather um, than you know characters from one video game going to another video game this is humans being sucked into a video game uh, yeah well I mean you know we'll get to that won't we but what you can do in the meantime well you can follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash games on film pod, twitter.com slash games on film pod. We post all kinds of um, nonsense on there, so please follow us. Uh, subscribe to us, rate us on iTunes. All episodes can be found on soundcloud.com slash games on film pod and we're available, yes, iTunes, Acast, Player FM, um, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, we have our own Twitter handles as well, at Rory Steele is mine. Mine is at Only Man Who Can. And you can email us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. We also put the all the films we cover on Letterboxd. Mm. Uh, if you follow um, Harry's letterbots.com slash onlymanwhocan... Yeah, I meant can... I've not actually done that for a little bit, but okay. I will. <laughs> we'll update it for this episode. Yes. Uh, you can see a list of all the episodes that we've done as well. That's another way you can access 
uh, links to past episodes and oh. I don't know maybe you'll get a peek at what we're doing next and, you know tell your friends about us I think we've actually yeah. received a few likes and retweets from some various luminaries in, in video game cinema so it's nice to know that um, people record, people <laughs> acknowledging us um, but yeah tell your friends rate us and all that stuff because it does really help yeah and uh, also final credit to David Lightfoot for providing the music Okay, so I think that's up, that's it for the episode. We're off to go and get wrecked now, I think. Um, so I've been Harry. And I've been Rory. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, check yourself. Before you wreck yourself. Bye! <laughs>